Yeah. Have, because, you, or have, have you ever been a member, member of the, the Alt-Right? Party. <laughs> of the Alt-Right. Well, pops up a beer or a cold libation, let me tell you how I wrote this little thing. I went and took a call from brother Jason, and he tells me that he has a little dream. He says he needs a backwards intro to begin his podcast, and I ask him what you got. He said, I'll start off with some talking and some movie clips of popcorn fighting, fantasy explorations and some groundless exploitation, kickstarts that I'm watching and some blind unboxings, full month horror movie marathon. Sometimes I'll let the box come on, contest and of course you know it's all about games. I said, slow down, let's just start with the name. It's the Nerds RPG Variety With the other, Jason. Joining me today is Minion, a.k.a. Rob, of the Confessions of a Wee Timmer Spooshy podcast. How are you doing today, sir? Yeah, very, uh, well, as well as can be. I was going to say really well, but actually, yeah, yeah. Well, just back from work. But uh, um, doing better yeah. than uh, could be expected, I suppose. So not too bad. Thank you. Yeah, we're so R- Rob's in Japan. It is 7 p.m. his, his time. It's 7 p.m. Wednesday, his time. It's 5 a.m. Tuesday my time here in Virginia, USA, um, or did I say AM or PM? It's 5 AM. It's in the morning. I'm, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. drinking a coffee because we're talking about, you know, Italian movie. I've got my J and B scotch whiskey here that I'll switch to because J and B <laughs> sponsored the Italian movie, movie industry for many years. What, what when you watch mean? these movies and you see J and B in the background, they did, they, 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 they actually did pay the movies to, <laughs> to show their products. Okay, well, I'm drinking. I'm drinking some uh, Nihonshu, which is better known as sake in the English language. Excellent, excellent. I've got here. We're going to be talking about street law, which which is an Italian poliziotteschi. Yeah, this is a Blu-ray of the movie that I got, but and, and there's a 1974 Italian movie, but starring Franco Nero and Barbara Bach. Well, Barbara Bach's in it. Um, not really starring in it, but it made by Enzo G. Castellari. I've not had a chance to watch the Blu-ray, unfortunately, because it has a extra audio commentary and it's got an interview with Frank and Nero. So I'm looking forward to that. But it's on a Blu-ray player. And we only have one Blu-ray player in the house and I haven't had a chance to put it in yet. The other thing, we'll do a quick aside here. I have that I have been able to look at really briefly in my computer because it's on a CD is this. And this is Alarms and Excursions. Issues one through one twenty-five. So from the beginning of the magazine that Lee Gold did for you know for you know, which is a fanzine for early war games, role-playing games, all that, and everybody used to write into this magazine. Um, so I'm looking forward to this. It goes up to January of eighty-five. So I'm really yeah, looking you forward. You did you mentioned that in the latest uh, podcast actually very briefly. Yeah, I'm up, really unboxing. looking. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to diving into that, and because yeah, be all good. those guys used to write in to the. In the in the letter section, you, you know, all the you know the game creators and yeah, talk about Gary Gygax. And, yeah, Gary Gygax did. Mm. Um, uh, <clears throat> yeah, my understanding is like you know um, like um, Steve Steve Perrin did. All, all the you know all, all your early folks wrote in there. So I'm really mm. looking forward to researching yeah. that and checking that out. Yeah, that should be pretty good. Yeah, but but today it, it it's all about. Italy and these Italian movies, and of course Franco Nero with his beautiful mustache. And just so I get his name right once, I'll let the director introduce himself. Ciao, I am Anser G. Castellari. So we are going to 
dive in here. Before we get into this movie, though, I just want to ask, and it'll come apparent why I'm asking you this later, if you don't mind. If if you had to put yourself, I know on our on our podcast we typically talk about role playing games or other issues. I don't. I try not to delve into political issues. Not that I'm not politically active, but I just separate that from my hobby life. But mm. but you talk a little more politics than I do, but not a lot. But but not a lot. Yeah, I try to avoid it too. <clears throat> yeah, if you had to put yourself on the political spectrum, where, where would you fall? Um, it's difficult to say. Um, it, yeah, it's difficult to say. I mean, um, I think my politics, parts of it have stayed very similar from childhood um, and elements that you just pick up from where you grew up, brought up. Um, but I think I would have been more, I would have seen myself more as a kind of liberal center person um, in my teens or something, maybe the early, early 90s or something like that perhaps later but um i guess we've as i've grown older i've become more i've become more left <laughs> i've gone very left um which is kind of a return in a lot of ways it's uh, very much in my family <clears throat> um but i would i would say i would say i was a anti-authoritarian um lefty fairly strong left Let's, let's just put it that way. But I, I'm also a realist, and I, 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 uh, I, I don't know if humanist is the right word, but I, I don't like the way that politics is used to divide people and to categorize people. And I find it worrying um, that people are very quick to move pe- move to the brink on situations mm-hmm. and push people to to um, take extreme action, action against ordinary people. I don't know right. if that makes any sense. Yeah, the knee-jerk thing and and the, this whole thing where people want to band to get, you know, tribalism. Yeah, and, I find it very yeah. uncomfortable. It makes me uncomfortable. And I, I don't feel like that. I feel very, I wouldn't say individualistic, but I, 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 I edge towards the anarchistic more than anything else. I find it um, worrying that people become very tribal. And, and it's something within myself that I recognize as well. So it's something I try to... Uh, try and stay clear of, I suppose. Okay, great. <clears throat> and and what's your history with Italian cinema, particularly like <laughs> your genre cinema, exploitation cinema of the 60s, 70s, things like that? Well, this is a good question. Uh, absolute zero. But, um, you know, obviously um, I did, I am British, so I, I, and I do have a familiarity with like British, uh, like social realism and, uh-huh. Uh, I did actually, I studied about three years of uh, film studies in, uh, so a lot of, um, a lot of documentary movies, a lot of, um, obviously, you know, um, film noir um, and the, the uh, German expressionism and uh, even um, like Russian, <laughs> Russian uh, uh, polemic um, propaganda movies by like uh-huh. Eisenstein and stuff like that. So yeah, I, I did actually have a background in that. Um, Excellent. Just an academic one. But, no, yeah. but that's great because so so one thing about this movie that often gets so, so as I mentioned, this is part of what's called the poliziotteschi. These are Italian crime films, also um, kind of derogatorily called spaghetti crime films. Okay, kind of like right. the spaghetti westerns, right? Like spaghetti western, yeah, yeah. And so what the Italian film industry at the time would do do, and this isn't derogatory. I love Italian cinema. I love these movies. But what was popular in other countries, particularly popular in America, although also popular in Europe, 
the, the Italian cinema would, would latch onto that, which the American cinema did the same thing. This is our B movies in America, but the Italian cinema would latch on it and they would make their own spin on it. And oftentimes, you know, to do the spinal tap joke, you know, they turned up to 11 and, and, and Italy would get into these subgenres and they would just make hundreds of these movies until it gets worn out. And you know when a genre is worn out, when it starts making fun of itself. So the spaghetti Western genre, when they started getting into comedy and like the Trinity things and things like that, um, I, I'll, I'll talk film stuff that, that you might not recognize, but mm. some of my listeners will. But, you know, when they get into the comedy, you know, they've kind of played themselves out. And the same thing with these movies. We had a lot of police movies, crime movies, and then they kind of got in comedy and they played themselves out. And, and so the Italian cinema kind of did that. This movie is accused and, and some of the poliziotteschi definitely do fall on the kind of right wing fascist line. In American movies, when you look at Amer- American versions of this, that kind of sp- spark some of these movies. When you look at Dirty Harry, when you look at you know the Death Wish movies, your vigilante movies, things like that, you definitely have more right wing movies. You have movies where it's saying, "Listen, the authorities are kind of hamstrung, but they're." You know, there are these good cops, these individuals out there that it's okay for them to break the law, go out there, be judge, jury, executioner. I mean, look at, and and the British recognize this. Judge Dredd was a send up of Dirty Harry and these things. And Judge Dredd was a send up of American, these American, far right American politics. You know, Judge Dredd being, um, you know, judge, jury, and executioner wasn't, you know, it wasn't supposed to be, this is how it should be. It was saying, "Look how horrible it is over there." You, yeah, you know, yeah, it was a yeah, it was a comic take on a, a possible dystopia that was looking more more realistic in the in the well, well right, because you had Reagan and Thatcher and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and of course, there was, yeah, there's a lot of um, there was a lot of satire built into that as well. But this is not about Judge Dredd, so right, no, yeah, no, tell me, tell me more about Italian movies because okay, I'm, so, I'm very interested now. Right, so so street, so the, a lot of these. Well, so we do need to go back to the American movies. And so the American movies, especially vigilante films, a lot of them were pretty right wing. You had like look at the Death Wish movies and especially the way with Charles Bronson, the way they developed. You have you have a lone white man whose family's victimized. But then he goes out, he gets a gun and then he starts gunning down criminals in the streets. The police are sympathetic to him. They aid him. And then as the movies go on, you know, just the fact that that you know, he's able to, to get a gun. He can now go out and solve all these problems and kill all these criminals. And, you know, every, you know, the public's behind him, the police are behind him and, and it gets into effectively satire. You get like death wish threes. He, he's running around New York city with his 475 Woodley Magnum, which is a big fuck off handgun. And he, um, and, and what's, you know, just blowing away gang members running through things, doing stuff. And, it, and it does become like a right wing power fantasy to some degree. Yeah. There's no yeah. question about that. Um, now they're they're entertaining movies just because they're absurd, but they're but but you have to recognize them for what they are, right? Um, where this movie, it, this movie has been that we're going to watch Street Law is a vigilante movie, but and it's been accused of being right wing and fascist because the critics are very quick to knee jerk call, especially when when this came out, any vigilante movie they would automatically say, oh, it's, it's a fascist movie, oh, it's a right wing movie. But my case and what what is this movie is not that. This movie is more ne- nuanced than that. Director Enzo G. Castellari, when asked about if his movie Street Law is fascist. Street Law was talking about a guy, a simple guy living in the city, and suddenly uh, the, the, the bad guy, violent guys are attacking him and robbing him and hitting him. 
and the police did nothing. You should never provoke them. And so he, he started to defend himself. They called me fascist because this is a fascist movie. I, I, I'm, I'm not, nothing interesting in politics. And so I, I, I didn't understand why they called me fascist. But I, I explained if the bad guys are eating me, then burning my house, and nobody defend me, and I defend myself. If this means to be fascist, I am fascist. Now, there's parts of that in here, but but this movie, I think, it tries to show more more nuanced thing here. And and you have to now we have to look at Italy. So Italy, I, I don't know how many people, how many Americans know the history of Italy. The Europeans may know much much better. Um, but so Italy, of course, yeah, Mussolini who was in charge of Italy during World War II. And it was a fascist regime, and, and he was allied with the, with the Germans. And then you had so you had resistance, which were you know socialists and communists and your your left leaning resistance, which the Allies in World War II supported. You, you know they're they're effectively part of the Allies. The resistance you had it's, the Italian Civil War roughly went from like somewhere in 1943 to say 46, where, where they went to overthrow this fascist regime. Yeah, roughly. Um, it, it's kind of hard to pin down from what I've read the exact time it ended and and the and the death toll like after the war. It, it was really blown up right after. Like in the 50s, they were saying like, you know, after the war, 300,000 fascists were killed. And since then, that's been rolled back. So, you know, that was inflated. Yeah. But probably 30 to 50,000 in reports in the late 90s, like 30 to 50,000, you know, um, w- which were the. You know, you know, people that were, were active supporters of Mussolini or people suspected of being supporters because no doubt some innocents got killed. But somewhere between 30, 50,000 people were killed kind of in as a result of that at, at the end right. of it. And then Italy also had a very bloody. So we see that spread into like you, you a lot of the Italian spaghetti Westerns are set and, and they're nominally set in the U.S. They're, you know, it's supposed to be the U.S. per se. And you have the North and the South, and they're set during the Civil War, like the good, the bad, the ugly set during the Civil War. But a lot of times the North and South, these directors are looking at as Northern and Southern Italy. They're not looking at it as really the U.S., you, you know. And so Italian politics will, will, will creep into these movies. And Italy was very crime-ridden during the time these movies were made, um, mm-hmm. you know, up through the 80s. I mean, you had uh, – in fact, there was a time – I, I can't pronounce mm-hmm. the Italian, but from the late 60s to the late 80s was called the years of lead because of the the right. political terrorism and crime and, and just horrible things that were happening in Italy at the time. You had the first mafia war, the second mafia war. So when, when this movie opens up and we see the street crime in, in, in the movie, those were actually taken right out of the papers or at least out of the tabloids at the time. But, but those kind of things were happening. I mean, crime was rampant. And Genoa, where this is set, had a lot of crime happening in it. And, uh, you, you know, so that, while, while I'm not saying this movie is a, a documentary by any means, you know, it's definitely sensationalized. There, there was a lot of crime in, in Italy at the time. And, and there was a lot of corruption with the police and things like that at the time. I see. So it, it sort of, it was tapping into a common perception of, mm-hmm. of the times, wasn't it? A sort of zeitgeist. Right. Yeah. Which which in America, we did the same thing with the police films. Your police films rose in your 60s into the 70s because of the higher crime rates in the U.S. So, you know, it was comforting to your middle upper class people to go to the theater and watch, you know, police stamp down on the crime. Right. 
And and so yeah. we, we kind of get the same kind of thing here. The, but what's interesting here is the director of this movie, um, and Enzo Castellari, what was 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 definitely a, a lefty, like you say. You know, he he, he um, and, and the writers, and so he wasn't trying to make. Now, mind you, he was. They, this was the equivalent of a drive-in movie in the U.S. This is the equivalent of a. You, you, you know, this wasn't a high dollar movie by any means. Mm. In fact, the opening sequence and folks, we are going to spoil street law. So you can see it on <laughs> if you go to YouTube and you type street law 1974, you can see it. There's a streaming service called Tubi, T-U-B-I. That's free. You don't even have to make a subscription for it that you can watch it on there. So you can watch this movie for free. But can I, can I just add something there? Yeah. So I, I was um, I was actually uh, invited to watch this. By Jason and uh, I, I, I just I was kind of busy and I didn't bother. But I, I last this weekend I I just put it on when I had the time and uh, I was really impressed at how good it was. That the camera work and we'll probably talk about that later. But this is probably a good point to tune out if you intend to watch the movie and then pop back in again. Yeah, because yeah, it, it is it, it is decent. It is pretty decent. It, it is. It, it's a real. It's one of the better examples of the. Poliziotteschi movies. Now, a lot of the others concentrate on the police, and they're not vigilante movies per se, and, and they're you know like high crime and um, some of the others, which is also really going Frank and Nero. Yeah, and and some of them do go in much more in their exploitation thing, where they're shown a lot more. It, there, I, I saw a quote in an interview with the director, and he said, um, "Boobs and bullets always sell." You know, so so a lot of them have nudity and a lot of violence and stuff. Yeah. But but so but anyway, my point with the um, the budget and all for this was a, a lot of the stunts in here, like you see Nero, he's doing his own stunts and the opening sequence. So folks, this movie opens with just a series of, of crimes. There's a break into a house there. And then there's a number of street crimes the, they didn't have. The producers didn't want to give them money to, to film that credit sequence, what, doing all those street crimes. So there were, those were all pickup shots when, when they had a chance during filming, they just said, okay, we have 10 minutes during filming. We're going to film the sequence. And they ran out there and did it because the actors wanted to do it. The The other great thing and what's one of the things that makes this worth watching, folks, are the stunts. You, you know, the stunts in these movies are great. The car chases. People talk about Bullet being a great car chase and, you know, um, the French Connection being a great car chase. But the, these European movies and these Italian movies, you, you go watch these and they're. Yeah, yeah, the cars aren't muscle cars and stuff, but they're they're racing through the streets. They're typically driving at speed which isn't something you see in a lot of the American chases. There's American movies are sped up or they do camera tricks, but there's some really dangerous and, and, and scary thing. You watch these car chases and people, <laughs> people go really get hurt in a lot of these car chases and stunts. Yeah. They look really real. And you know, we, we're so used to seeing CG now mm-hmm. that I, I was watching that and it was so refreshing. It was so fast. It looked really fast. And, uh, yeah, they, it looked like they just almost hit some of the cars there. Some of the um, stunts mm-hmm. are like really surprisingly dangerous looking. Oh yeah, uh, it, th- there's a yeah. sequence later on where where one of the guys is keeps trying to hit Frank and Nero with a car, and Frank and Nero is really doing that stu- that with that car there, where, where mm-hmm. he's like sliding the car and hit, knocking Nero over and stuff, and, and where he knocks him over yeah, the cliff. Yeah, yeah, that's, he a, really that's a nice that. scene. That yeah. yeah. So they, some really good slow motion, the camera work in this. Um, sorry, I'm, I'm probably jumping no, go ahead. ahead of myself. But no, the go. camera work in this is really good. There's some 
what you might think of as being really cheesy slow motion pieces, but they're just beautifully filmed. They're really good. There's some great slow motion. There's some really great kind of angles as well. And uh, yeah, I'd need they, to watch it again to do it justice, really. But yeah, it really struck me as a, a very professional, professionally uh-huh. done. Movie. Well, they definitely take a um, <clears throat> a, a page from from like your Sam Peck and Paul things like that. There, there's no question about it. Um, and the squib work in here, especially in the <laughs> in that opening sequence, they they there's some you know squibs or it looks like they're blowing pork chops out of people's shoulders when they get shot. Oh yeah, yeah, like yeah. That. <laughs> no, that was kind of that was pretty nasty. So yeah, they, looked... <laughs> yeah. But but what's interesting? One interesting thing, and, and you're not really familiar with this genre, but Franco Nero, one of my so I, I guess there's one disclaimer I'll put ahead of this movie before we talk about it. And actually, it's pretty. The misogyny in this movie is pretty. Um, tame in this movie you only have one you know frank and Nero only yeah, slaps barbara yeah. bach the one time right i'm sick of it understand i'm tired of being kicked around what the police do when they got here nothing they robbed me they ruined my apartment they burned me down and the police did nothing the only thing they asked me if i was insured as if i was in with the thieves to screw the insurance company <laughs> of course crimes are rising because they don't look for the criminals unless somebody gets killed <laughs> but they didn't kill me so so why send anyone to jail huh I don't learn to defend myself with the hell will. Carlo, a man can't do it all by himself. But if you've decided to play a hero, why don't you marry me first? So at least I can collect the insurance money. <laughs> Very funny. About as funny as your hysterical heroics. Don't you understand that the way to conquer fear is to do what you're afraid of? To gain back your self-respect? I'm only afraid that all those kicks in the head you took have short-circuited your brain. What's the matter with you? What do you think, we're in the far west? That when the bad guys come around, you stick on a tin star and go gunning for them? Will you stop complaining, stop feeling sorry for yourself, and stop acting like a goddamn fool? <laughs> and he even apologized later in the movie. Uh, I'm sorry for the other day. Forget it. it, it but you watch it like, oh, what kind of leading man is that slapping his, you know, slapping his partner and all? And I'm not defending that violence or anything, but... If you go back and watch Italian cinema this time period, unfortunately, I, and you hate to use this phrase, it's of its time, but yeah. w- women are slapped in like every single one of these movies. I, and it's not okay, yeah. but it's not, you can't, if you, if, if you watch this and you're a modern viewer and you're not used to the cinema, it's a little shocking because she's trying to talk sense into Frank and Eric. She's like, you can't go out being a cowboy. You, what do you think you are? You know, and, and she's yeah, challenges yeah. machismo, mm. and he and he has to put her in his put, and, and that's right. That's I, I almost said put her in her place, which is hard to say. Well, yeah, and we're going to get into that, but yeah. but the, yeah. I thought I it guess was, my um, point is when he slaps it. her, yeah, yeah, it's it, it shocks us as a modern audience, but honestly, yeah. it was yeah. just it, it was in every one of these movies, and it's not a reason to hate him or hate this movie. I think it, it was in a lot of movies. So, yeah, I yeah. think it was in a lot of movies of the uh, not even Italian movies, sixties and seventies. Yeah, yeah, like a lot of American movies as well. Yeah. This kind of sense of um, yeah, a man's got to do what a man's got to do, and and the women, um, you know, the, the open hand slap, um, right? That was apparently you know socially acceptable, R- right? Uh, so I'm not it, exactly, and that's my point. I'm I am not in any way, shape, or form saying it's okay or acceptable, but. When you watch this movie you, and he does slap her, you can't just turn it off and say, oh, it's a horrible movie because you can't watch any movie this time period and not see that it is my point. 
pretty yeah, much. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's slap in the face to the yeah. watcher, to the modern watcher as well. Um, right. But I think it puts its puts the movie in a in its time. It, it makes mm-hmm. you see it for what it is. I mean, yeah, people. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. yeah it, it it really is. But so so Frank and Nero though he's playing against form. So Frank and Nero, if, if you're not familiar with him, and if the listeners aren't. Go check him out. Frank and Nero was Django. He was the original Django, which was remade by Quentin Tarantino's Django and Chain. In fact, he appears in that movie. He's at the bar and he meets Jamie Foxx. But he he was a you know one of the action stars of Italy, and he was a, a leading man. He was in a lot of these kind of movies. He was in a lot of westerns. He did other movies. He was in in, in one of my favorite Jallos, the um the Fifth Chord, where he plays a journalist in, in like this murder mystery, and he does a great job in there. He's like this alcoholic journalist and and there's questions like whether he's blacking out and he's actually like committing some of these crimes and it, it's actually a really good movie the fifth chord's worth watching too um that he, he does slap a woman in that too again it's it's italian sentiments it's what it is but the but he in fact in american audiences though probably know him best from django unchained and because he's the general in die hard too so they may recognize him from there. Um, uh, uh, genre fans may recognize him. He was the star of Enter the Ninja. I don't know if you ever, ever saw Enter the Ninja, but he plays a he plays a oh, obviously a Caucasian ninja, um, and it's set in the Philippines. It, you, there's a sequence in Enter the Ninja. This is a small s- sidestep, but where so he so so it's you have like this local crime boss in in the Philippines, and he's trying to take over land. He's trying to take over Frank and Nero's buddy's farm. And Frank and Nero is, is a ninja's taking out all this guy's, you know, he's beating up all, all of his minions and stuff. He's like, we need to get our own ninja. So he sends his man over to Japan and he goes to a, like a casting office. He's like, I need a ninja. He's like, oh yes, we have all these actors. They can play ninja. He goes, no, no, no. I need a real ninja. And, and, and the Japanese, of course it, that's, it's showing that, um, you know, a stereotypical, um, idea of the Japanese where they always want to be helpful and all says, Oh no, I, yes, I will help you find a ninja. And, and they eventually track down, find him a ninja to bring back. And of course it's, it's his old, it, it's the student of Frank and Nero's old teacher and who, who didn't want Frank and Nero to be taught because he's a white man. So, you know, obviously they bring that into it, but it, Frank enter the ninja is kind of a, a, a silly movie. It's a fun movie, but um, anyway, Frank and Nero is a, the, the, the thing is that this is like casting Arnold Schwarzenegger or casting, you know, any of your tough guys, any of your stereotypical tough guys as your main actor. And then in this movie, he doesn't play a tough guy. He plays the average guy and he, he does. pretty much gets his butt kicked throughout the whole movie. He's out yeah. of his element over his head um, and he does a great job as much as he can. Frank and is a big, beautiful man. And so it's kind of hard for him to play the everyman because, you know, he doesn't. But he does. But he does a really good job playing the everyman. You, you yeah, know, it's good. I, I, it was very realistic, and I um, there's other characters that come in that make him strong, as it were, by mm-hmm. by buddying up with him. Um, but the only power he has is this sense of indignation, right? As a, as a man at first, and right. that comes out in the most sort of unattractive way in him hitting his his girlfriend, right? Um, right. And and later it, it's channeled into a different direction, but it's no less maybe for some people no less more uh, toxic but it, it he he sort of developed some more of a social yeah sort of social um uh awareness i guess of other people's problems because of his own 
the way he was victimized himself and he, right. and he starts to care about other characters as we'll learn you know the his yeah. his the key buddy in this movie we're, yeah we're definitely going to talk about Tommy and we're going to go through that um and that's one of the reasons this isn't your typical vigilante movie because the, so i i I think maybe the easiest thing to do, let's do a really quick plot synopsis, and then we can kind of bounce around. People, you you kind of need to see the movie to, to, to get what we're talking about, because we're not going to do a, a step-by-step walkthrough. But we, we open up showing a series of crimes, including a break-in. The, the house that they break into and they rip the house apart and then set a fire in the living room, that's Frank O'Neill's apartment. That's right, Carlo, right? The yeah, that Carlo is his character. And that's his apartment. And you know that because there's a, there's a, a framed newspaper article on the wall of it you know italians resist which his father was a big part of the resistance again against the germans and the fascists in world war ii and we see that later in his house that same ripped up newspaper so that's how we know that's his apartment that was broken into so so a clever little nod to the left there as well saying hey yeah you know um so he's a successful man he's a middle class um upper well not upper middle class but he's doing well uh yeah he's definitely doing well he's an engineer and yeah. he either owns his own firm or he's he's partners with somebody else that owns his own firm. I don't know if it's exactly clear. The other guy, when he goes to the office the one time, he's like, oh, you the, the, the guy's in the white lab coat sitting there doing whatever. And he's like, oh, just keep watching the office. Ah, that's what I've been doing. The old guy. That's what I always do. Yeah. 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 But so I'm not sure if they're partners or I kind of get the idea. It's Frank and Nero's business. So he owns the whole he thing. He looks like it. Yeah. yeah. But but he's an engineer and he, he's he's an, he's an average guy. And it looks like he's somebody who's pulled him up pulled himself up by his bootstraps. He, nobody handed it to him. He earned his place in the world. He made yeah. his own money. And and so he's, he, so we open up, we see the series of crime, horrible street crimes, you know, robberies, kidnappings, all kinds of things. And so now Frank and is going to the post office, probably do what, cause that's a post office, not a bank in that opening. Oh, sequence. Okay. And, yeah. and maybe he's doing a wire transfer. I don't know, but, it, but he's got all this money. And, and when you watch this Americans, it's but it, could be, it could be a, it could be a bank account because we used to have post office office accounts and they okay, have them there in Japan go. too. So yeah, uh-huh. they did actually have the right to, they still do here that, you know, you can put them, deposit your money into an account. Okay. That's probably what it was a, then. Yeah. 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 So, and, 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 yeah, and, and so he's putting down, I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of lira, which, you know, it's like maybe, hundreds of dollars or thousands, you know, the, the value. So when you're seeing these big, huge stacks of money, folks, that's Lira or, you know, the, yeah, it was a couple of million, wasn't it? It was like 2 million Lira or something like that. Right, I, I which have is no like idea how much it was, but it sounded like yes. a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. But, but anyway, he's, so he's depositing this money and, or, or doing something with the money, depositing or, or transferring it or doing whatever. And, and then they have a robbery. So the robbers come in and, and they're very, you know, violent, robbers are they're knocking people over you know this lady that's crying she wouldn't stop crying she gets a rifle but butt to the face um so, very so, violent yeah yeah very violent and, and frankenier is kind of there and he sees his money on the counter and i'm assuming there's there's no protection for the customer's money in this like if your money gets stolen it's just gone i i don't think there's any kind of insurance or you know like in america you see all the american movies like don't worry we're take this isn't your money this is the bank's money you, you know your money's insured. We're not stealing from you. The bank robbers tell the customers in American movies. I I don't think that's the case here. I think here, if the bank robbers take your money, you're just out. And and so Nero's reaching, Carlo's reaching to get his money, and they see him, and and they and he tries to fight back for a second, but they they just they just start beating him down to the grounds, so or kicking him. They beat him up. That's an interesting scene because his instinct isn't to protect himself. 
It's not oh. to protect the the the, the men, other women, men and women who are being beaten. It's to hide. It's to get his money. <laughs> it's to hide his money, and that's sort of where we are at right. uh, with his character at the beginning of the movie. Exactly, and um, and then the lady who got the the it was a solid shotgun. But anyway, the lady that got the shotgun butt to the face crawls over and hits the emergency button. Hmm. She she hits the panic button, and the alarms start going off. The police are coming, and the robbers are like, "We have to get out of here." So they grab Nero as a hostage, and they take him with them. And they put them in the car and they take off and then they take their masks off because if you're driving around, you know, with masks on, obviously that's the car with the robbers in it. So, you know, it, but, but, and then they, is there, is there running from the police? They start beating the crap out of, right. Yeah, so I, I guess, I guess, yeah. yeah, they, they start beating the crap out of them in the back seat. You know, what are you doing? Are you trying to be a hero? What's wrong with you? And, and, and they're really beat, beating the heck out of him. I mean, he's definitely concussed. By the end of this, he's bleeding out the nose and the ears and, you, you know, but and, and this is a great car chase. It's it's like a five minute car chase or something. They're going through yeah. the police, like try to play chicken. They drive right at them and then the police, you, you know, they lose their nerve at the last second. Both those police cars get totaled. And it's it's a really great car chase. They finally end up in, in a in a stockyard, like with a lot of containers, like shipping containers. And they, they park that car, run over, open up a shipping container, hop in another car and drive off and, and leave our hero in the back seat and, and the police show up. And of course the press show up and, and the press are always a big part of these movies and, and the pressure. And, and he's just laying in the back seat and he's guys concussion and, you know, he's kind of out of it and, and obviously he's insulted. And like you mentioned, you know, the machismo is, you know, his pride's been hurt. So in American movies, typically you're inciting incident is a family member is raped or something, which of course, because they're exploitation movies, they'll tend to show, the sexual violence on the screen and all here. We didn't do this here. We went straight to the idea of his manhood's insulted, which let's be fair to a lot of cult, a lot of men of any culture, and especially to some cultures in, in certain periods of time, the idea of having your manhood or machismo insulted, it's a big deal. And, and, and that yeah, would really you know, tap into a, a he's know, a successful a, guy. Right. Um, yeah. and, and, and in his world, his education may be, um, you know, his education or his success is is a sign that he's, you know, he, he's a man, you know, he's done something special. But then when that's taken away and it's shown to be not really worth anything because simple violence um, can can turn that to nothing, to turn that, uh, that achievement to something that's quite mediocre, it's a shock to him, right? He's really mm-hmm. shocked at how, how little power he actually has in the real world. It- Right. And, and that's kicked in because right after that, he's taken to the police station and yep. they're and, and, and he finds out the police are going to be useless. So mm-hmm. they're showing him slides of different criminals and, and they don't show him the pictures, of the ones he's looking for. So he's no, no, no. <laughs> and the police are like, well, you know, you and the, actually the police berate him too. the police tell him, you, you know, you screwed up. What were you trying to do? You, you shouldn't have tried to be a hero, all this stuff. Yeah. They give him a hard time. I never forget those faces. But you aren't able to identify any slides you've seen. They must be amateurs. They were professionals. They were faking being nervous to frighten us. Of course. So you're one of those people who thinks he can teach us our business. No, I don't think that at all. All I care about is that you catch those criminals. And all you seem to care about is interrogating me as if I were one of them. Do you want to help us or don't you? There are dozens of robberies every day. We can't put a policeman on every corner. And remember, criminals like that shoot to kill. You should never provoke them. 
Even tellers are instructed not to resist. You were not very wise to defy them. Wise? I didn't defy anybody. I was... I was just trying to get my money. I sweat for that money, do you understand? And then they hit me. What should I have done? Thank them and apologize, huh? Come on, help yourselves. Beat my brains in. The police force will make you pay for it. Bullshit. You wouldn't catch one of them if you tripped over him. Please, Carl. Calm down. I think you overestimate what the human skull can take. Could be, but he has a hard hit. You're a lucky man. You got off easy, believe me. Sure. Nothing really happened. I'm just part of those people who don't matter. And then after that, and, you know, he's like, oh, they're not going to. And, and what's funny is Nero's anger is growing. So he's had his apartment torched effectively, you know, ripped, destroyed and torched. He's, he's had this hap designation happen to him. And you see him in the backseat later, like at the police station, like, oh, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. But mm -hmm. and um, and so he's, he's angry and he goes. So he's back home with with Barbara Bach, his girlfriend. Of course, Barbara Bach is. You know, James Bond is, girl. Is, um, one, one second, can I stop you? Go ahead. So go. Is this? Does he actually? Um, does he accuse the police of being, being dirty? He he does um, later in the movie. At that point, or is it later on? I, I think he might intone it a little bit there. But, yeah, but he doesn't yeah. actually say it there. He does <laughs> say it later. And, and we never know, do we, if the cops are dirty or not? I, I it's think really it's, interesting how that's yeah, played. I, I really enjoy it. I thought the cops right. were really interesting in this movie. They're not like cardboard cutouts. They were believably, oh, well, they, there could be something going on in the background, but you're not sure. And so they were kind of believable. Um, I, I, I think I think it's implied very heavily <laughs> that they are on the take, that, that the police are, are crooked here. <laughs> and, and we see that because later on there's a scene where – there, there's a there's a game well, they are or, or the politicians are we, well the, yeah, yeah. Or, or both right yeah the, there, there's a scene later on where, where you have this this pop-up casino that's set in a billiard hall in a pool hall right. And, right. and so the pool tables are where they're putting all the gambling stuff and so there's going to be a raid and of course they get a tip off ahead of time there's going to be a raid so you have this great scene of them taking all their all, all their all their gambling stuff off the table so when the police get down in the pool hall, it's like, oh, it's just billards. You want to play a game of pool, officers? <laughs> nice to see you again, Commissioner. Have a game of uh, billiards. You know, and the guys all nonchalant. Police are like, ah, oh, there's nothing here, and they leave. And and it looks like that's like a, a regular occurrence where you know they never catch them. And it's always in casino, and, okay. and we'll come back to that later. But I, I do think it's heavily implied that the police are on, and also like when he calls, like, so, you know, here they are. They hear the robbers and the police are like, oh, well, they probably listen to our radios because the robbers knew within like two minutes of him making the phone call that they, they were out of that warehouse. They were. Yeah. Yeah. But so, but he gets back to his apartment and, and Barbara Box there, who, who's his um, girlfriend in this and who, who also she's been in a number. She ended up marrying Ringo Starr. But oh, I, yeah, I don't know if you know. Yeah, she. But um, I don't know if she's tone deaf or um. But but anyway, she um she she's in some great Italian movies too. She's in a in a, in a great Charlie the, the the Black Belly of the Tarantula, which is a great movie. Actually, that has three James Bond girls in it. But anyway, but they're they're talking and, and she's she's as conscious in this movie, or she tries to be. You know, listen, you can't 
you have to be careful what you say to the police. You could get arrested for accusing the police of being crooked. She does say that, you know, at this point. Um, yeah, insulting and, a public official or something, some kind of law like that, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah it was something. Yeah, it was something like that. And um, and she tells him, you know, what what are you going to do? Just pin a tank badge on your chest? What do you think this is the old west? And you're just going to get a gun and and go out there? And that's when he, you know, he slaps her. And um, but. But he's just angry and he said, you know, he said, the police aren't going to do anything. I'm going to do something. But mm-hmm. he's a white collar businessman. He he doesn't, you know, and, and, and yeah, he's grown up, you know, had to earn his way. But he doesn't know anything about the underworld or, or the street. So when he goes out to try to find things out, he's going out. In his right. Now, I guess one thing we should mention, another reason to watch these movies, everybody, the fashion in these movies is great. Everybody, of course, it's Italy, you, you know, and, and every, so he's walking around in this great suit and, and all the fashion throughout the movie, you know, the way Tommy's dressed is great. All these movies, everybody's fashion's greatness. But so he's going out, he's his nice suit and he goes to this bar, and, you know, and he, he goes to the bartender. He's like, here's some money. I want some information. And and the bartender takes his money and he turns around a bunch of the guys playing pool. He's like, hey, this guy wants information. <laughs> it's like time to run yeah, yeah. well yeah because because and, and, and these and the, uh, it's all these guys playing pool these thugs playing pool come over to him you know and, and the leader almost looks like jim morrison almost but they they, they come over <laughs> the guy in the leather jacket and but but they come over they're like oh you want some information huh what, what do you want information about and you could tell nero hadn't thought this out at all he's like uh, yeah, uh yeah. I, I i've got a stolen car to sell he's like oh really and you know and yeah he ends up running and they chase him end up bashing up his car they, they they slam into his car and they drive off and, and then you see him sitting there after they drive off he's like I, I, i'm just trying to find these guys and it's it's yeah. funny because he's so frustrated that he can't figure out what to do just seen him running i got the big guy i nailed him i come down this chain real hard what do you want what you got to think figured there wasn't much point letting into him satisfaction he was the kind of guy I'd wake up the whole neighborhood screaming for help. Shut up. I want some information. Ah, that's the kind of visiting card I like. I want to know a few things. Sorry, I can't hear you. Noise. Come here. Huh? Maybe you're in the wrong part of town, huh? Are any of you guys running an information bureau? Huh? This man wants some information. You got the wrong place. Why don't you check the yellow pages and stop being a pain in the ass? Wait, give him a chance. We're here at the service of the people, no? Come on, let's hear it. Listen, I'm all yours. Now, what the hell do you want to know? What's the information, huh, mister? We'd like to know what you want around here. What's the worry? I want to sell a car. A stolen one? Ah, that's easy. It's back in there. You go right, and then you go left, and then you go right again. And when you reach the can, you just pull that chain. But you jump in first. Look at him. I got my car outside. Come on, let's get him. And, yeah, and he yeah. so so he goes to a friend after that, a lawyer, because he figures this lawyer knows criminal 
somebody in the criminal underworld from his, you know, representing him or whatever. And this lawyer was an old friend of his father's. And the lawyer effectively tells him, listen, you don't want to get involved in this. Just stay out of it. You, you know, be happy. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? And I'm going to play a clip here of what he tells the lawyer. Mm-hmm. I understand. While you were talking, I was thinking how my father's death was useless. You were there. You were there when he wrote that manifesto calling the Italians to resist the Germans. And you were working along with him. But now what do you do? You keep your mouth shut and take it like everyone else. You know what my father wrote me in his last letter before they shot him? Remember, if you want to be free, you must learn to resist. And when the law is unjust, it's not only your right, but your duty to rebel. It's very cool. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> I, sh- I guess I should mention, so, so that's kind of the... So this guy won't help him either, but he feels, and I think that's a, and that's not necessarily a, a, a right-wing idea, although we see. Not at all, no, not at all. This idea, when, if the system's corrupt, you as the citizen have a have a responsibility to try mm-hmm. to overhaul that system, right? Well, the implication there is that uh, his father was in the resistance. His father was a... Um, partisan probably a, a socialist or a, a communist partisan right without um doubt. yeah so so again it's a kind of nod towards saying well hang on there are there are different forms of resistance it doesn't have to be rebellion as well it doesn't have to mm-hmm. be um an act that it, of clamping down on the on the poor or or the outsider or something like that and that's not what you see in this movie right it's, it's not about um blaming some some outsider person or some powerless person. It's about trying to get a sense of a, I don't know, dignity, human dignity. Well, and, and Yeah, because in this movie, interestingly enough, he doesn't go after crime. He doesn't go after the underworld. In American movies, you typically see your vigilante go gun down any criminal. They're just mm-hmm. looking for criminals to gun down. And where in this movie, he's going after the three guys that did this to him. He doesn't care yeah. about the other criminals. He's not trying to fix crime because he knows he can't. You know, yeah, and, not, and he it? does yeah. try to. It's go not even about power, is it? It's a bit. Yeah. He's frustrated with power, but it's mostly about himself. It is. It's, it is. It's, so, yeah. so, 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 so <laughs> he talks about yeah, his your duty to rebel, but it, it's more rebellion for rebellion's sake for him. It's it's more like a, um, you know, a rebel without a cause kind of thing, isn't it? Yeah, it, it, <laughs> yeah, it, it really is. He um, so so and and so he's. Oh, I I guess the other thing. So I played that clip. That was Frank Anira's voice. He, but in all these movies back then, they did not record the voices when they filmed the movies. They went in and added all the voices in post. They didn't put microphones in the actors. They were often filming on sound stages next to other movies or out in the streets. So when you watch these movies, like, oh, it's all dubbed. Or, you know, even if you watch it with the, with the Italian soundtrack, with the Italian um, language track, it's still all the voices are added later. So when you watch these movies and you're like, oh, the, you know, the voices don't match their mouths, just accept it because Italian cinema back then, they didn't record voice. They, they added all these movies, they added the voice in, you know, after the, after they're done filming. I did wonder about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, but that is actually him. He's, he doesn't know, like in Django, they use somebody else's voice in the English version of it, which is, is a shame because, because Nero's got a great voice, but in this one, it is him talking. So he, the American, the, his voice in this is, is actually Frank Nero, where a lot of these other actors, which is funny because he's the only person when you watch this with the American, you know, soundtrack, 
he's the only actor with an Italian accent, pretty much. Everybody else, because <laughs> everybody else is dubbed in there, like Tommy and all them, they're, they're mm. dubbed in with English act, you know, just oh, like right. regular English and American actors for the most part. If you listen to it, he's got like the heaviest Italian accent in the whole movie <laughs> because it's actually Franco Nero doing it, oh, which is kind of. I didn't, yeah, I didn't clue in on, I wasn't clued in on that. Yeah, no. yeah. But, but, but anyway, I wanted to mention that because people complain about the dubbing, but it's, I mean, it's just what it is for these movies. It's, it's how they did, how they filmed them. Um, but, but so he goes out and he's, and he's trying to figure out what to do. And eventually he figures out he, he can't get these guys. And, and he goes, and you see him go back to the police and, and get nowhere of the police. So he, he comes and he's, he's a smart guy though. So he figures out, well, I need to find an end to the criminal world. He comes up with this plan. So he goes and he, he goes through the newspapers. He goes to the other guy you see him with where he is, is I think just a, a librarian or maybe a newspaper archivist, but he's going through all these old newspapers and he finds pictures of criminals in the newspapers. And so he, what he does is he tracks. And, and it, it, at first watch, you think he's seeing pictures of the guys that robbed him, but he's actually finding pictures of other criminals and so what he does is he starts following, trying to find these other criminals in the street because his plan is he's going to blackmail these other criminals to get to the ones he wants. Well, the first guy he follows, again, we see how out of his depth he is here because he's he's following this guy around. All of a sudden, the guy is following pops up next to his window and asks him for a cigarette and, and tells, you know, you keep following me. You, you know, I'm, I'm going to get you. And, and Nero's like, I don't understand. How did he find me? And. Well, it's because yeah. you stand out like a sore thumb. You're driving around this guy's neighborhood. You know, you don't taking walk photos his of him. Yeah. Was he, was he taking photos at that point? I can't remember. I, I, I think you, I'm not sure. I think he was, but you know, but, but he obviously he must have stood out like a sore thumb. You know, yeah, it, yeah. It, it'd be like if I come, you know, go, go neighborhood I'm not used to. And, you know, because, because criminals know their area and not mm-hmm. even just criminals, but people know their neighborhoods. You recognize when a, when a car or somebody you're yeah. not used to is in your neighborhood. And That's right. Yeah, so. Look, you've been following me all day. I don't know who you are, and I couldn't care less. But if you show your ass around here again, it's at your own risk. Agreed? How the hell did he know it? <sighs> Finally, he, he's successful in following a different criminal, Tommy. So now we're inter- introduced to Tommy, who's a and, and this is a, a, a great Italian actor, but he, he's in a number of other movies, a, a lot of movies with this director, actually. Um, Giancarlo Crete. Uh-huh. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. That's Tommy. Yep. Giancarlo. Giancarlo. Yeah. And, he, yeah and he's in, um, like I say, a, a lot of pretty great movies. He's in, um, he's in the New Barbarians, Escape from the Bronx. Escape from the Bronx, also, which is like 1999 or 1990 Bronx Warriors. Those are like a combination of Mad Max and the Warriors in, in New mm. York. They're, they're great movies, well worth watching. He's in Great White, which is a, a a ripoff of Jaws. In fact, it's such a ripoff of Jaws that that Paramount sued and they can't couldn't show it in the U.S. after like the first month. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's a really great movie. He, he's actually in Lady Hawk, which which is a movie most people seen. Huh. But um, he's in a lot of, a lot of great movies. But but Tommy is this. He, he's not even so the the main criminals in this movie, the three big guys are connected to the to the mob and, and they're I don't they're I don't know where they are in the organization, but they're, they're a crew that, that have connections. They're protected and they, 
and they're used for for different jobs by the by the mafia in this movie it's implied tommy is just a two-bit hood basically he has some connections with the criminal underworld but he's not a made man he's not you know part of the mafia or anything he's just street street thug and so when we meet tommy he's with his other but actually he's out hanging out with some women because you know he's, he's popular with the ladies which we'll see throughout the movie but um, he's hanging out with some ladies and his buddy rides up on the motorcycle and he hops on the back of the motorcycle and they run up and he goes and he robs the store. What was it like a jewelry store or something? Jewelry store or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he robs it and um, drives off. And, and like you say, this whole time, we have Frank Kinnear is there with his camera taking pictures. Click, click, click. And, um, and, and he, he figures out Tommy's address. So he sends Tommy these pictures of him robbing the store. And Tommy must be in college, I guess, because he because he or, or his buddies in college, one of the two that was right <laughs> driving the motorcycle because he slides in there. There's a lecture, college lecture. And he slides next to his buddy and pulls out these pictures right in the middle of the lecture. He's like, yeah, look at this. Hey, look how good I look in this picture. And um, Tommy's got this great attitude, which Tommy grew up on the streets. He, he was in reform schools, things like that. He's never been able to get a good job. So he just does the best he can. He's living day by day. Um but he's not a bad guy. I mean, yes, he's a criminal. Yes, he's a crook. But he's not like mean-hearted, and he's not out trying no, to hurt no. hurt people. I was actually really surprised how uh, close we got to Tommy's character here. I th- mm-hmm. I thought it would be just an incidental character, but it actually sh- the movie shifts mm-hmm. onto him quite. I don't know to show him quite prominently. Uh, yeah. yeah, and he's he's very different from the main character Car- um, Carlo as well, right? So there's a, oh, oh, a very different, big difference in, in their backgrounds. Oh, hundred um, percent. The, the reasons why they act or do things, the things mm-hmm. that they do. Yeah. And, and, and you could argue some of what Tommy does does make a whole lot of sense. I, I think maybe him coming, coming back and trying to, well, we'll, we'll get to it, but so, <laughs> so we have Tommy and, and anyway, so, so Carlo tries Frank and he's trying to blackmail Tommy. So he's gives him the top photographs. He puts a note on his car saying, Hey, you know, I'm going to call you at this time, be at this phone, which conveniently is across the street from near his apartment. So, so he calls him, he tells him, listen, I need you to get me these guns. You know, he has this laundry list of what he wants. You know, I want two sawed off shotguns and two Tommy guns, two handguns and a hundred bullets or, or whatever he says, you know, you get me this stuff. And, and Tommy's thinking, you could tell this whole time, you know, Tom, Tommy's thinking and he's like, well, it's going to cost 300. No, it's going to cost 500. That's, you know, and he's, he's like, Tommy's in his mind inflating the price so he can, make put money aside you know make money on the mm-hmm. side on this yeah. deal the whole time you know it, it's great watching and um but so tommy agrees okay i'll get you these guns for the negatives but tommy thinks this guy's you know just some, some kind of kook so he goes off and he he makes fake guns he goes he breaks antennas yeah off top of the apartment <laughs> building and, and straps them up to look like gun barrels and and his girlfriend or a one of his girlfriends comes in and she's like what are you doing he's like oh i'm just playing a joke on a friend and <laughs> but so he brings this this bag of fake guns back he's got like a duffel bag and um and nero sees right through this and 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 he tells him oh yeah well the money's in the, in the trash can behind you he makes him go through this garbage can where there's no money in there and and now tommy's angry and nero's like listen don't don't try to screw with me again you you, you know there's there's money in the phone book there go go do what i told you to do and tommy agrees mm-hmm. to it so, so Tommy, he's smartened up. He's smartened up a lot by this point, right? So he's starting to get a hang of that. He has to be smart. He has to, these people are smart. I think he's he hasn't really sort of hadn't really understood how clever the criminals were. 
right um until he realizes he's just out of his depth and he, his his smarts don't really mean a lot compared to the street smarts but then mm-hmm. by this point he's starting to become quite um cunning in, in in the way that he's acting towards people he's not trusting them. he's he's uh he's putting them through trials he's he's thinking ahead right yeah so it's yeah. quite an interesting he's starting to sort of learn but he's still not out of the He's not all powerful by any means, right? He's- oh no! Well, it's not, it's not your typical American movie where he's, or, or even even a lot of other movies where where you know he's you know he's two fisted hero, you, you know he's he, we're going to see he's going to get his butt kicked later on a couple more times. But he, so so Tommy goes to to buy these guns, and this is where we go to the casino where the the police do the raid and they're tipped off ahead of time, and they you know turn into Billard Hall. And the police are like, ah, oh, there's nothing here. And they leave. And that's when Tommy's coming down. And Tommy talks to us. So the guy t- Tommy coordinates with to get the guns and later on to meet with the other, meet with our our criminals, our, our main three bad guys. This is the highest member of the, uh, this is the highest criminal, when I say that, the most influential criminal, I don't know, that, that we yeah. see in the movie. And and, and and we'll come back to him later, but he knows Tommy. But like I say, Tommy's not a made man or anything. But he tells Tommy, "Oh yeah, we'll cost us much, and, and it's only to rent rent them for a week." And <laughs> but but he makes a deal. And, and and what's interesting is Nero's plan here. Carlos' plan is very interesting because he's getting the guns to establish that he's a serious player. He's not getting the guns because he wants the guns to go shoot up the streets. He's buying mm-hmm. the guns so the criminals accept him as a serious person so when he asks them for a really good burglary crew they'll hook him up with these guys that that robbed the bank where he was or robbed the post office yeah it's so, quite clever that it yeah took the me guns a while to work out what he was doing yeah it's not like an american movie where he's getting the guns to go shoot criminals in this movie yeah, he's, he's just frame them. yeah all he's doing with the guns yeah is to frame them and and to get a foot in with the criminal underworld he yeah. he doesn't really want the guns they're a step in the plan to, to meet. That's right. Guys. That's right. He, so yeah. he gets the guns and then he says, um, oh, I, now, now I need a crew. Right. Something like that, right? The, yeah, I want the best crew. The best, the best in, in the crew. town because yeah. I'm, I'm trying to pull something off. Or pull yeah, off and he something. knows it's going to be Eventually. these guys. Yeah, he, he knows it's going to be these guys. Yeah, and, that's smart. Um, yeah. And, and, and they do it. And, and, he, and, and it actually gets arranged where they show up at a warehouse. You know, and then he and this is a great scene because because he goes to call the you know he sees oh they're here they're here and he's so excited and he runs out to the payphone <laughs> and he calls the police he's like they're here they're at the warehouse and, and the and the and he gets so angry at the person on the other end of the phone. At the, this is ahead. it, you know, because I, I was like yeah, I was getting excited too, and then I scrolled down and realized that we were only halfway through the movie. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, oh no! Yeah, yeah. And the police this are like, weird. like, who are you? He goes, it doesn't matter who I am. Said so they're here now. Go get them. You know, mm-hmm. and and we know there's a mole or something, in the police department, because you know, not like you know. And he goes back and he sees them there, and and we see them all run out of the warehouse. So obviously yeah. they know the police are on the way, and and they take off. And Nero's angry. He's up on the hill cursing. It's urgent. Come right away. Right away. Come to Vigor de Navilla. There's a warehouse at the end of the street full of stolen goods with the guys who robbed the post office. Who's calling, please? What the hell do you care? Hurry up! Who's calling? Christ, get moving! Repeat the address. Vicolo del Navigno. Get there right away.
What the hell are they waiting for? And then he, then we see him at the police station. This is where he actually accused him of being a little bit dirty. Uh, right. and, and the police officer or the detective, he tells him, you know, be careful. I could arrest you for, yeah, what, whatever the crime is, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. but, but, he, but that detective even says, you know, well, they, they may have a, a mole or they may listen to our radios or. Emergency service, mobile units. How much time did you need to get there, huh? Flash cores. What a joke. Have you finished shouting? No, I've just started to shout. I want everybody to know that you let them get away. Either you're incompetent or you're in with them. What? Someone warned them. Who could have done it? Eh? I've been on my own, all alone. The warning must have come from in here. Watch what you say. You know where the contacts and receivers are, where the gun dealers are. And all you have to do is throw them in jail. But you treat them like buddies. Because when there's big trouble, they are the ones who give the information you need. That's enough. The only reason you're here in this room is to collaborate with the police. So watch yourself. Just remember who you're speaking to, or you might be arrested for insulting a public official. I'd hate to have you force my hand. must understand that the underworld is well organized. They have wherewithal, the means. It's more than possible that they're able to listen in on our police calls. What about the owners of that warehouse? Hmm? We can't throw people in jail without proof. Proof? I saw them unloading stolen goods. It's a warehouse of weapons in there. Then those three bastards showed up. But according to you, they are just kidding around, playing and being robbers, huh? But but the whole time the police are are, are extraordinarily unhelpful. <laughs> it's, they, they really are. Yeah, but you know, is that so un, un unexpected? Yeah. No, <laughs> I mean, it, it's, that's not. It's I not. mean, is it? Uh, I, th I think you know the average citizen expects a lot of the mm -hmm. police and, and the and the um, these forces, and in reality, they're so stretched. I mean, I've run into a few issues with police uh, here in Japan, um, which I won't go into details with, but um, trying to protect mine and my own, as mm -hmm. it were. Let's just say that. And, and yeah, and being treated kind of like that, sort of actually being threatened almost in some cases. Right. Um, and, and realizing that there's a way to do things and you, you aren't really important. Um, in this particular case, or there's a load of cases like you. Uh, well, well that's the thing. We, yeah, we see the, in the beginning of the movie, they do the whole montage of crimes. And yeah. here you have this guy. Yeah. He lost a little bit of money. He got beat up, but he's okay. So in the, and these robbers hadn't killed anybody to their knowledge, which I kind of yeah. think is the, this will come in later, but the fact that, that they, they're not in theory, this crew isn't executing people in the street. Although 
there's no question they probably have executed people. But but because they didn't shoot anybody in that post office robbery, there it's probably not as high profile crime for the mm-hmm. police as like I say during this time you have terrorist attacks, you have all kinds of other things happening. Um, right. And and so well, that's something like I you say, today. the police are, yeah, are spread so thin. So it's not just the mafia. If you if you I read the uh, about this genre and they were saying that there were a lot of um, I think it was the Red Brigade. Red mm-hmm. Brigade. So yeah. there was the, the far left and there was the far right mm-hmm. as well. So the uh, fascists were blowing bombs up and shooting people, yep. and kidnapping people. So it was a very volatile time. Um, so yeah, as you say, something like this. If nobody's been killed or blown up, then <laughs> right. Well, that's why I say that, that years of lead, what they call mm-hmm. from the sixties, the eighties. You had far left and far right terrorism, and right. and they were. I mean, if you go to Wikipedia, just they have lists of them and, and yeah there's the far left you had red brigades front line october 22 pack continuous struggle workers power workers autonomy yeah yeah and it was far the right, same in many parts. new order new vanguard yeah. black order many parts of europe um, yeah. it was the same here in japan um, very much uh, right. violence yeah. and, and when you look at cas- it, holy moly the casualties there's like twelve thousand here and oh my goodness I, I mean they, they well the, i don't oh, know right. how accurate this is but it says um 12,000 far, oh no, I'm sorry, 12,000 far left militias arrested. Oh, okay. Uh, so arrested. 12, they, they arrested 12,000. Yeah. Um, but, well, you know, but yeah, but, but they had, yeah, they had a lot going on. So, <laughs> like you say, the police were pretty stretched then, um, yeah. without doubt. And, but anyway, he's so frustrated with them. And, but, but I think the film does kind of imply the idea that the authorities aren't helping, they're not doing their, their job. Yeah. And that's one of the point of the, mont- the crime montage at the beginning. And, and we're, that's going to get reinforced later in the movie because the police actively actually become effective when he makes them become effective. So we'll get yeah. to that. So and that's kind of why why I think it does imply that they're on the take, because right now they're not doing as much as they could be where they, they will crack down later. But they're, they're not doing anything. So Nero decides, well, this isn't working. I, I need to do something else. He gets with Tommy. He's like, no, I, I need to meet these guys. And. It, it, well, he's he's so angry after this, and and he has another conversation. Oh, he breaks it, doesn't he? Break into places. Yeah, this is the only time when we see is a bit of nudity, isn't it? I think. Um, he's he's yeah, uh, he, in yeah, his the, apartment with his girlfriend or something. Right, right yeah. So so we we, we <laughs> he has another conversation with Barbara Bach, and she she tries to talk him out of it again, and then he goes and he yeah he, he breaks into Tommy's apartment while Tommy's with the lady chases her out you know it's funny because tommy's like hey what's the problem she's of age man she's of age which is <laughs> <laughs> another little yeah she's like you know because he thinks like maybe Nero's like her father or brother or something and um, yeah, yeah and then he finds out who he is and so he actually it, beats tommy around a bit doesn't he at this point yeah this well they the well they kind of really beat each violence. other around a little bit oh uh, and, yeah, yeah 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 and i think tommy it. probably realizes you know maybe i can take this guy but he kind of amuses me because Tommy kind of addresses everything in life, kind of not everything is a joke, but you know he, he's got a pretty good attitude towards life, all things considered. And, and so he, you know, he's like, "Well, I'm I'm going to humor this guy and see what he wants." Who the hell are you? Our ex-fiance? Our brother? I mean, what's it to you? Oh, you're a cop. All oh, this stuff, I'm just keeping it for. <laughs> Come on, get dressed. We're going. <laughs> Tonight, the police will have the pictures I took of you. Gee, so you're the bastard who's been hounding me. Christ, I should have guessed it. Huh. 
You've been breaking my ass for a week with those pictures. I get you the stuff, right? You wanted three men, I put you in touch with them. Now, what else do you want? Their names. What? The names and the dresses of the thieves you found. Then I'll give you the photos. You're crazy. Hey, you ride on those guys. <laughs> You'll end up in the river, in concrete. Who are they? I don't know. I swear, I've never seen them. Okay, we look for them together. Get dressed. Uh-uh, not on your life. Okay, where to? You know what I want, so you better come up with some ideas, and quick. The last idea I had was so long ago that I even forgot what it was. Stop the bullshit. Bullshit is as necessary as breathing. Shut up. And just think about contacting them. Thinking gives me a headache. And, and, and Nero's like, you have to take me to find these guys. I need to find them. And, and Tommy's still scheming, right? So Tommy's mm -hmm. like, okay, okay. I'm, I'll help you out. I'll take you. I'll take you. And, and so they're dry, they drive around. And Tommy takes him to this house. And he tells him, listen, this lady is connected. She's the wife of, uh, of this guy that knows all these people. You know, she can give you the information you need. You, you know, just be nice to her. And, and they get out of the car to go up to talk to her. And Nero doesn't trust Tommy. So in, in these kind of cars back then, this isn't something modern listeners are going to be familiar with. But there's a lock for the steering wheel. There's a key that locks the steering wheel. So Nero uh, takes the key to lock the steering wheel that's out. That's what yeah. it was. All right. It wasn't the ignition key. It was no, like, it wasn't not the ignition key. There's a separate key. I was wondering the, about on that. the steering yeah. column. You, if you take that key out, then the wheel is locked. That. As a yeah. kid, I don't remember. But maybe that. it was a maybe yeah, before maybe, my time a little bit. Yeah, or maybe a feature that it, it you didn't have that in America either. Maybe it was a feature of Italian cars. Oh, I don't right. know. Hmm. But 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 Nero takes this key out, so he locks the steering wheel, and it, Tommy doesn't know he does this. And they go up to this place and Tommy's like, yeah, this lady knows the information you need, but just be nice to her. And he, and, but the lady's really a prostitute. And she thinks that Tommy's brought That's her right. John. She yeah, thinks yeah. that Nero is just there to, you know, for, and, and so Nero goes in the back room with this lady and, and she starts taking her clothes off. He's like, no, I don't have time for this. And, and Tommy's taken off at this point. He's like, I'm just going to leave, leave this guy. You know, Tommy figures he's just going to leave him there. And, but Tommy tries to drive off and the steering wheel's locked. So he can't. You know, the car kind of hits a wall or whatever. And Nero like shows up next to the wall next to him like, yeah, you need this key. And then Tommy ends up actually having a change of heart and say, oh, I kind of like this guy. And they get to know each other a little bit. And Tommy explains to Nero how he was a, you know, grew up in reform schools or, or um, anyway, Tommy had this hard childhood and, and all this. So they get to be the, the friendship kind of builds a little bit and, and at some point, I don't remember exactly when, but Tommy talks like he wishes he could have a garage because he'd like to work in cars. And, and Nero's like, well, I'll help you build your garage. You know, you help me and I'll help you get your garage and achieve your dream. Yeah, I'm yeah. fast forwarding. It, it takes a little bit longer in the, in the movie for all that to happen. But eventually, Nero's like, listen, I need to meet these guys. And, and Tommy keeps trying to dissuade him, say, no, you don't want to meet these guys. Just let it go. They're going to kill you. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're, they're going to kill you. Yeah, and, but Nero keeps pushing it. So Tommy get gets a meeting for him okay they're suspicious before they do anything they want to know who you are i bet they do they want us to go to the warehouse and meet them there already told you they aren't coming anymore they don't trust you let's get out of here why the hell do you want to go through with it? Why the hell did you become a crook? 
Why do you think? Because it's the kind of work I like. It just wasn't enough to eat in our house. So I stole. But I'm sure if you were in my shoes, you'd have done the same. You could have worked. Yeah, who was going to hire me? Someone who made his first trip to a reform school at 13. <laughs> it's the only school I went to. First year, car theft. Second, house breaking. Third, lock picking and breaking store windows. Next time I go in, I'll write my graduation thesis on armed robbery. And all paid for by the state. Three time losers get life. I'm gonna pull just a few more jobs. Nothing that'll be too serious. But it'll bring in real bread. Then I'll open an auto repair shop. I'll be all set. How much have you put away? <laughs> Not a lira. <laughs> You know, the only thing I feel bad about is that I'm not someone else. Huh? What's that? A loan for the garage? Sort of. I'll give you some advice. Forget about those guys. Just forget them. You'll only get hurt. Let's go. I'll take you home. Take me to them. You still want to go through with it? Yeah. Okay. It's your skin. Well, aren't you coming? And when they had the meeting, the guys grabbed Nero, drag him out of the car, beat the crap out of him, drag him through the puddle. You, you know, they, you, you know, beat the heck out of him. Tommy goes off because, you know, Tommy doesn't, you know, he, although while they're beating up Nero, Tommy's still there and Nero looks at Tommy like, you know, what, why'd you turn me over to these guys? But I mean, it's what he wanted. You, you know, he wanted to meet them. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, so they, they lock Nero up in like this little shed and one of the bad guys is out in his mustang like keep i don't know why they didn't kill him right away if they're gonna turn him over to somebody else to dispose of him or what but tommy like pops up through this little trap door in the in the floor of the shade he's like come on I'm, i'll help you get out hey it's me hold it okay okay but i didn't know they were gonna kill you hey quick now let's go but Nero's too beat up and he makes noise as they're trying to escape and the, and the thugs hears that. So he chases them down in his Mustang. And this is a great action sequence of, of Nero running away from this Mustang and the guys like <laughs> sliding the Mustang and hitting him, hitting, knocking Nero over, you know, as he banks into him. And he finally cool. knocks Nero over the side of this like, like dirt cliff in this construction area and Nero rolls down the hill. And these are all great stunts. And, and the guy comes down there, but, with the car and he's going to run him down, but there was a shovel down there. And so yeah. Nero smashes the windshield with the shovel and, and the guy crashes the Mustang crawls out and Nero starts to beat the heck out of him with the shovel. And Tommy actually stops him from killing him. Cause Nero's about yeah. to, I don't even like maybe right? yeah. Yeah, he's, he's getting ready to kill him with the shovel. Yeah. And Tommy, and Tommy, Tommy stops him. and says, I, I didn't bring you here 
for that. So Tommy has yeah has a, a strong a strong sense. I don't know. He's a very human character. He has a sense of of uh, what's right and wrong. Uh, I mean, he he's a thief. He's a thief. He's not a murderer, and he doesn't he doesn't want people to die. He doesn't want people to to hurt people really. Right, uh, and 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 that's yeah. why he comes back to get him because he. He, I, I think Tommy always knew they were going to kill him, though. But he, but when he comes out of the trap door, he's like, "Hey, I didn't know they were going to kill you. Come on, I'll get you out of here." When, yeah, when he yeah, tries to yeah, rescue him, but yeah, and this is when I guess we, we know now that yeah, Tommy is, is a guy, is the guy, right? And I mean, this yeah. is a, this is a decent character, and he's 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 come back again and again. Mm-hmm. So from this point onwards, he becomes a real, he becomes a buddy, buddy really, yeah. And, and the right. two of them is really unlikely uh, duo, sort of yeah. pair up and. Uh, yeah, they help yeah, each other so, out. So Tommy stops him from killing the guy with the shovel, but then Tommy's like, "Oh, he's already dead. You know, we killed the guy. Now we're they're going to kill us both. You know that he was a connected guy, and we shouldn't have killed him." I didn't want to get mixed up in a killing. I didn't want any trouble. What the fuck did you do, Mister Righteous? What the fuck kind of man are you? A good citizen. This honest man is just a criminal like me, like any of us. Where actually the guy isn't dead and they would have been better off if they had killed him probably. But in the long run, but because uh, now this guy knows that Tommy helped him escape too. Well, and, but it, yeah, we're really, I mean, un, un, well, unfortunately. In real life. Point, in real life you know. it, it, yeah, because yeah. at that point, this guy, what, what do you do with him? You can't just drag him to the police, you right. know, because they're not going to do anything with him. And he, you know, he knows he's going to keep coming. Well, well Tommy and, goes and off fact, to the morgue, doesn't he, to find out what happened? And then he doesn't find a, a body at the morgue. Right. Well, it, well, what they do yeah. is from there, they go straight to, they go back to um, near his apartment, which they see fire trucks outside the apartment because the other criminals right. are gone ah, to near his yeah. apartment and set on fire and yeah, torture. Yeah. And so Tommy tells Nero to stay in the car and he goes up, he talks to, the onlookers outside the apartment building, he comes back says, and tells them, listen, they torched your apartment. We need to get out of here. They're onto us. They're going to get us. And Nero, this is where Nero hatches. He's finally come up with a plan that's going to work. So they go back to Nero's business office and they make these fake tapes. And in <laughs> these tapes, these audio tapes, he Im- implies he has evidence connecting the criminals and the police. And, and the police are on the take and, and he has all this evidence. And then he burns some tapes and he hides other tapes where he thinks they'll be found. Mm-hmm. And, and, and he basically, and then, and then, and they, then they trash the office and they set it up. So when the police come and they find the burn tapes and they find the tapes and listen to the tapes, they can that imply there's a connection and the police are crooked that the police at this point have to get, you know, they're worried these other tapes are out there. And they're worried that these criminals, if they're caught, are going to expose any corrupt police. So this is where the police say, "Okay, we're going to crack down, bring them all off the streets, you know, even the low level people. And you see this big montage of them pulling in. They're pulling in hookers. They're pulling in pimps. They're pulling in, you know, your street level criminals. They go back to that casino. But this time there, there isn't a tip off. So they actually arrest all the gamblers and stuff. And they actually grab the big guy, 
you know, that this high level criminal and he's like, Oh, don't worry. I'll be out. I'll be out in time for dinner. It's okay. And he probably is. He was probably never touched in this whole movie. You know, he, you know, he probably did get right out. Another dummy. Mm-hmm. Was oh. the mysterious disappearance of Carlo Antonelli caused by murder or was the man kidnapped? Did you read this one? Yes, I got Antonelli was collecting evidence of complicity between the police and the underworld. Well, you've certainly kept uh-huh. the press at bay. Can Lippy send the force out on that cleanup operation? Without delay. Maybe we can show something before this blows up. Send out the men and tell them not to be too choosy. Anyone will do. Prostitutes, small-time operators, young hoods, pimps, receivers, anyone who might give us a lead. And check out all recent parolees. Oh, by the way, uh, tell Lippy I want the force up to full strength. But but the police are doing the serious crackdown, and, and the result of this is these guys are no, the the mafia is no longer going to protect this crew because they're too hot. And, and, and we see this because the crew each each try to go to somebody else. You know, we see three scenes because there's three of them and, and each of them is trying to go get help from somebody like, no, we, I can't help you anymore. I don't know who you are. And what's interesting is the one guy we see d- does this. They're, they're they're in a shipyard. And I don't know if you notice the name of the ship, the, the, the ship that's being overhauled there it, oh. in, in the shipyard. It's the Achille Laurel. And which so here's our role playing game tie in, folks. The Achille Laurel was a cruise ship that was taken over by terrorists in 19, 1985. This was 15 years after the movie, but the Achille Laurel was hijacked. Um, and it was a big, big deal, this hijacking. But anyway, but it was, it was a big hijacking in the 80s. The Achille Laurel was hijacked off the Egyptian coast. And, um, the role-playing game tie-in here with the Akula Laurel is there's a top secret 1980 TSR top secret spy <laughs> game. There's a top secret module based on the Achille Laurel hijacking. Oh but, yeah. But anyway, it, it's just a throwaway thing, but you see that, but the ship there, there is the Achille is actually the Achille Laurel. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, one of my friends, Lyle, will be interested in that because he's trying to get us to play Top Secret. So. <laughs> oh, we, we need to figure yeah. out when I can play. I, Top Secret's a great game. I love it. Jason from the future here, breaking in. I was wrong. There is a Top Secret adventure, TS-003, Lady in Distress, codenamed Jackpot, codenamed Skyhook. And it was a tournament module for Gen Con 14. And it does have a commander raid on a hijacked cruise ship. It, it's effectively Dungeon Crawl. But it was actually published and and you know tournament module for Gen Con in 1982, so it actually predates the Achille Laura hijacking by three years. For some reason, I, I thought it was in reaction to the Achille Laura, but it actually predates it. So there you go. Still, still, Top Secret's a great game. 
actually the module I was thinking of that was based on the Achille Laurel was Terror at Sea for the Delta Force RPG by Task Force Games. That came out in 1986, and it actually is a um, reaction to the hijacking of the Achille Laurel. So, there you go. But, the <laughs> anyway, the, come here, man. Sorry, my dog's barking. Um, so, nobody will protect these criminals, and, and he's Nero succeeded because now the criminals, they don't have anywhere to go. They don't have any protection. And his whole purpose here was to get the police to, you know, get these these three guys. And and so during this time, they found like a warehouse or somewhere he can hide out. And, and so he's hiding out there and Tommy's bringing him food now. And then, in fact, Tommy even brings Barbara Bach, his girlfriend, to him, you, you know, to see him one, at one point, which is a funny scene where where Tommy finds her because you're out in traffic and, and like they're at a stoplight and he runs up and hops in the car next door. You know, he's like, oh, it's okay. I'm Carlo's friend. And um, yeah, but, sure you are. <laughs> yeah. But, but the, uh, but, but eventually, you know, he's like, listen, you need to go get them, bring them to me. And Tommy's like, no, we've done enough. And he's like, no, 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 Tommy, you need to go get them. You know, I'll get you that garage. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll get the garage. So Tommy goes out to find these guys and they, these guys aren't stupid, these criminals. So they grab Tommy. And they drag him back to the, this warehouse. They beat him up, make him tell him where Frank and Nero is hiding out, come back to the warehouse and, and knock on the door, you know, and Nero knows something's up. And, and this is kind of heartbreaking here. And here, here we see what Nero is definitely not your typical hero because he's kind I won't say he's cowardly through this ending act, but he's, he's not, you know, he's still scared. And, and he's, he's not still a hero. Not he's not, he's not yeah. a hero. He's a normal person in a yeah. kind of unusual situation, and he doesn't know how to handle it, does he? No. So, so he's kept a shotgun and a handgun, but the other guns were left as evidence at their at their at the office or, or wherever. Mm-hmm. But so the bad guys are outside with Tommy knocking on the door trying to get in, and and Nero's there. He's like, I, I don't trust you, Tommy. Something's wrong. I'm not going to let you in. And he and he runs downstairs, and, and they come down to the windows and, and they start slamming Tommy's head through the glass. And yeah, I mean, Tommy it's gets sad, it. bro, yeah, Tommy, yeah. It's bad. And, and, and near, and, and finally Tommy's like, no, just kill him. And, and then the bad guys do it. You know, the smart thing, they, they throw gasoline in this place where this basement where Nero's hiding and, and light on fire. And he runs out, and we get to the final shootout in this warehouse. Yeah, there's, which, a, there's a tunnel. There's a tunnel or something that he escapes by, isn't there? Yeah, it, yeah. The geography is a little bit weird, but he ends up in like this. It's like an airplane hangar or something. It's a huge warehouse. Yeah, big and, warehouse. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's a really well staged action scene in the end, and the bad guys have good positional advantage. But he, you know, Nero's got cover, and it it it's a good scene. But they have Tommy as a hostage, and. And th- throughout this whole thing, until the very end, I mean, Nero's not doing your typical action hero thing. He's, you know, he's scared. He's just trying to survive. And and unfortunately, they use Tommy as bait. So they put him out there. They like shoot him in the leg and shoot him in the elbow. And, yeah. he, you know, and, and Nero's like, he's like, you know, come out and save your buddy. And Nero won't come out. He finally tries to throw him a pistol. But, it, you know, Tommy's too beat up by that time. And um, but eventually Nero's able to, to kill the three bad guys. And actually, he kills two of them. Tommy kills one because he hops in a forklift and crushes one of the bad guys. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And but but then he gets shot in the back by another one. And, and so anyway, the three bad guys are dead. Nero's there with Tommy. Tommy's dying, you know, and 
And he's like, oh, it's okay. Hang in there, Tommy. I'll get you the garage. And Tommy yeah, he, starts he to hallucinate. Yeah. Yeah. You think, oh, this is the biggest garage you ever saw. And Tommy's like, or Nero's like, yes, I'll get you a garage and it'll be, you'll be big Tommy and all the girls will come see big Tommy. It, 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 I mean, it's kind of funny with the dialogue, but it's, but it's touching too. Yeah. You it's know, very touching. Yeah. Yeah. And his, and his buddy dies. And, and really, yeah. Tom, it's Nero's fault Tommy dies in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, absolutely. Really, it really yeah. is. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of, well, I, I don't think, I mean, Tommy is obviously, sees uh carlo as nero as as being this possible kind of redemption for him maybe mm. one of the uh, one of the few chances he'll get in his life that this guy yeah. might actually come through and then yeah and, he believes and, he'll give he'll do the garage with him. He, but but how deeply even. does he believe that will really happen i i think he just does it because yeah. he's good right well what's well, funny think, because during one of their conversations where, where Tommy talks about the garage, that's my dream. This is what I want to do. And Nero goes, well, how much money have you saved up? He goes, not one lira. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, he just takes life as it comes. And that's, yeah. that's, that's what life dealt him right at the end. And right. It's, um, it's a, it's funny. Um, yeah, it's kind of, it's very sad. It's very sad, mm-hmm. but it, it, it couldn't have happened without Tommy. Tommy was absolutely essential for, for uh, Carlo to get anywhere. Oh, uh-huh. by the end. yeah it wasn't it wasn't the money it wasn't the um carlo's um professional sort of education or anything like that it, it was the, the the camaraderie really uh, and uh tommy's honest honesty i suppose at the end of the day mm-hmm. he was actually honest even though he was a thief right so <laughs> yeah. so so now we're back with the police in the aftermath and the police are like the detectives okay here's the statement you're gonna read this is the official version of what happened. We're not going to arrest you because it'd be a bad publicity, but you know, you, you can't do any of this again, you, you know, and you have to go with our version of it or, you know, we're going to throw the book at you. We're going to, you know, toss you in jail and, and Nero doesn't have a choice. So he has to do this. And yeah, we don't see the signing, but it's, it's implied, right. Strongly implied that he just signs the paper and right. Cause he has no choice. Yeah. He has no choice. And, and so he's but. like, it's over. So he's walking out leaving and he overhears, and so, and, and Nero's not going to do, this isn't Charles Bronson in Death Wish. Nero's not going to go out in the street hunting criminals. But as he's leaving, he hears a conversation of another guy who's had a problem and been robbed or whatever. And he's talking to a, a police officer and the police officer's not even looking at this guy. He's like, it, like looking at papers on his desk, ignoring this guy. And the guy's indignant over his desk because if you do the, you know, if this happens again and you don't help me, I'm going to go out and get on myself. And, and you see Nero have a smile at the end. He's like, yeah, maybe I've inspired other people to stand up for themselves. And Yeah, there's this, I, I thought it was like him, uh, he found his place, actually, he found his position. And I think it was like he was going to go out and help people, uh, if not going out mm-hmm. as a vigilante, then then organizing, yeah, maybe, organizing yeah. with people to to mm-hmm. protect, protect the communities and and so on. It was kind of yeah. It was a it, he'd become a stronger person, buddy, and it wasn't just an empty sort of machismo anymore. Right. Yeah. Um, we, it was. It was something that had been steeled by um, his own experiences and the death uh-huh. of his friend. That that was the that was the kind of nice little ending after that, having to sign the bloody right. document. Right. Yeah. yeah but, the document yeah. saying the police handled this. this and, yeah. There's still this this possibility that well, it's just a piece of paper, but there's still things that I can do. Uh, it's, a, it's a nice ending. The police succeeded in rescuing you, but only after a shootout resulting in the death of your kidnappers. Is that going to be the official version? That depends on you. 
Sign this statement. It's all drawn up. Then you can go. No charges, no arrests. You being generous or you backing for a promotion? No. Those are the instructions I received. We can't risk having others follow your example. If all private citizens tried what you did, who could tell the honest ones from the dishonest? Believe me, it's the best solution. It's about time you settle the matter. At the bottom of the statement is a declaration that your accusations against the police were made under duress, forced upon you by your kidnappers. Sign it. Remember that we can always find new proof and reopen the case. What the hell has my insurance got to do with it? You think I get some kind of kickback? I want to see that those criminals are stopped, not collect insurance premiums. You're supposed to be here to serve the citizens, not to intimidate them. You seem more interested in my personal affairs than in the fact that I've been robbed. I've been robbed four times, and what have you done? Nothing! Well, the next time it happens, I'm going after those criminals myself. I'm tired of waiting around for you to do something. Tired of living in fear. Tired of your goddamn indifference! Right, yeah. So, so it's definitely not, you know, th this is a... So to give a time frame here, this came out the same year as Death Wish, but it came out after... Death Wish had come out in the States. It was a big hit in the States. They heard about Death Wish in Italy. It's possible Death Wish had not, this was released in Italy before Death Wish was released in Italy. So while it's possible that some people had flown to the US and seen Death Wish, they pretty much just heard about Death Wish and decided we're going to make, we're going to cash in on the vigilante thing. But they wrote an Italian script. And they, and this isn't the same, like say, Death Wish, Charles Bronson's. There's an attack in his apartment. His wife's beat up and killed and dies later. His daughter's raped. And he, then he goes out and he starts shooting criminals on the street. There, there's a little more to it, but effectively that's what it is. And the police kind of aid him in this. The police turn, look the other way and things like that. That's, that's how Death Wish goes. So that was a really popular film in the States. This was done to cash in on Death Wish, but it's not the same story. This is definitely a different tact in, in the way that it's approached, the way, you, you know, the, um, Carlo goes about, you know, getting getting justice for himself, and and show, you know, he's not in league with the police at all here. Um, so, so it's definitely a different kind of movie than your American vigilante movie. Um, yeah, it's yeah, it's interesting. Oh, it's it's funny because you know, yeah, yeah it's um, his his vigilantism isn't 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 for the social good or anything it's just for his machismo at the beginning but it, there's a there's yeah. a, a suggestion there uh -huh. that that you should stick together that you should look after each other at the end by the end right particularly with the death yeah. of tommy and then this last scene yeah exactly and what and the other thing so we so a couple of things that are interesting here we, we have the corrupt police which don't have the american movies the the other thing you have over here though is the criminals aren't just cartoon one-dimensional criminals the the three main bad guys in the crew that he's going after are kind of just bad guys but for the most part the criminals are shown like especially tommy we see more in depth and the you know it's not just all criminals are bad guys and and 
you know, Tommy's our, our main point of view here, but we kind of get the idea, you know, these are people just trying to survive. And, and it's like so the it's prostitute not, as well, the prostitute yeah, in the movie. Exactly, but, right. There's so, a suggestion that her, her husband is in the slammer or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. So, so they're, they're not painting with a broad brush. You see in the American films as far, as far mm-hmm. as that goes. Um, it, yeah, it's, it's a, it's an interesting movie. And I mean, obviously it's what it is. It's John or picture. The other yeah. thing that's great about this movie is the soundtrack by the D'Angelo brothers. I, I don't. I don't know what you thought of the soundtrack. I, I love the music oh, yeah. of this time, the soundtrack of this time. Yeah, I liked and, it. Yeah, yeah and, I, and I'll play a clip here, but the not. I'll, I'll add it after the interview. But it, you know, there, there's the main song that kind of goes through a couple different iterations where he's driving around, and it's and the lyrics of the song are great. It's like you know, driving around looking for the one that took my stuff, and it, it, it's really great. But. Um, <laughs> I, I really like this movie. I, I think this is a, a, a very interesting movie because it takes a different, you, you know, take to it. And it's not just your typical, I'm going to run around and shoot people movie. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah, well, I wasn't expecting it. <laughs> I wasn't expecting it. I didn't know what you'd, what you'd uh, send out to me. Yeah. But uh, after the first five minutes, I, I was sold on it. I, uh, yeah, the chase, particularly the chase, the initial uh-huh. chase, it was really fast. And I was like, oh, all right, this is uh, this is happening. This is a good movie. Yeah, there, there are probably compilations on YouTube of Italian like car chases and things like from these movies. Mm-hmm. And they're definitely this chase is good, but it, they're definitely in some of the other movies of the genre. They're better chases and they're, and they're chases where, you know, people, unfortunately, no doubt, something got hurt They're in. In the movie High Crime, which stars him with his director, there's a scene where, where a guy gets run over with a motorcycle. And mm. I'm pretty sure the actor really got run over with the motorcycle. Like you watch that, you watch that scene and they mm. cut away at the point. But I, I don't think there's any doubt that 
You, you know what I mean? Some poor stuntman mm. really got hurt in that, in that. So, oh, yeah. so they're really, it, I, I appreciate the stunt work and, and all that in these movies. And, and like I say, Nero does such a great job in this whole movie showing, playing the every man and showing that because you, you, you go through, he's, he's just so far, I, I keep saying it, but out of his depth and, and he, you know, he's this look of frustration and, yeah, he's also you know, very he's normal. He's and... also very not normal, but he's he's also normally selfish. If that means mm-hmm. <laughs> that sounds not, um, he, he he's shown to be selfish and not to really understand what's going on, which is right. quite uh, refreshing. Mm-hmm. He's out for himself, at least at the beginning, um, and oddly, probably Tommy isn't right as much. Um, Tommy has a more of a sense of like uh, sticking by your, your mates or looking out for people who are, you know, ha- having a hard time. That's that's the impression you get from it. But it, he, yeah, they're all good characters. They're realistic, believable characters. Uh, something uh-huh. that the movie really brings out. Um, it wouldn't have been as good if it had been Tommy didn't die, for example. Right. If Tommy hadn't died, right. it wouldn't have had such an impact. If the hero was more perfect, uh-huh. um, if he was nice, um, you know, he was a admirable husband or right. <laughs> boyfriend. Yeah, well, yeah. It wouldn't have been the same. It wouldn't have been the same. Yeah, it's interesting because, cause... because he is imperfect as well. Right. Not just the criminals. That there's something uh-huh. that sort of rings true about it. Something a little bit more authentic. Yeah, yeah, and the fact that he was willing to, to you know, because like I say, he was a, a a leading man, an action star, and that he's yeah. willing to be in this movie in this role, so far different than his normal role. And, and to, you know, show himself being debased and, and all these bad things happening to him says a lot about, you know, him as a, per, as a person, an actor willing to take those kind of roles because you have some actors that won't take roles that show them kind of in a poor light, you know, mm-hmm. and um, but what and, and, and I'm not saying Charles Brownson won't do that. But yeah, I watched a movie. Uh, I'll, have to look, I'll add the name in again in post because I don't remember the name, but there's this movie with Charles Brownson. The movie is Messenger of Death from. 1988 where he is a journalist it's like set in utah and, and he's a newspaper man and he's like the he's one of the lead he's not the editor of the paper but he's one of the lead journalist of the paper and but there's these killings and it's got to do with this offshoot of the mormon church this radical offshoot and then there's like a a breakup of that offshoot but but anyway charles bronson is is a journalist he's investigating these killings and he's looking into these things and there's a hitman. And when the hitman comes across Charles Bronson, well, Charles Bronson, it's implied like his character was in World War II or whatever. This movie is filmed like in the 70s or 80s. And mm-hmm. but but when the hitman finally confronts Charles Bronson, Charles Bronson just beats the crap out of him. He fisticuffs. He you, you, you know, he starts knocking this hitman around. And um <laughs> and, and he does it twice throughout the movie, like in like middle in the movie, like they confront like in a bathroom and a restaurant or something and because the hitman's killed this other guy in the, in the bathroom and charles bronson comes across it and the hitman goes after charles bronson and charles bronson like beats him up hitman escapes <laughs> and then at the end of the movie the same thing the hitman tries to get charles bronson he beats him up and he drags it there at the mansion they're at this political rally and, and he drags him down or fundraising thing but he, and charles bronson beats him up and drags the this hitman down the stairs you know like by his leg <laughs> it's 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 funny but but he's this two-fisted reporter, which is not a bad thing. I, I mean, I don't. I, I actually like the movie for that because it's it's a little refreshing that he's not like a meek reporter. But at the same time, it's like, 
you know, I, I don't want I mean, I could, de- well, you see stories here in the States, even now, which is funny. There's a, which obviously the, what here in the States, like they call the World War II generation, the greatest generation, um, mm-hmm. which you, you look what that generation went through and you know, they are a great generation, but there, there are stories here within the past 10 years of like somebody coming in a library, like with a knife threatening people and this old World War II vet remember his training and just like disarms the guy and like takes the knife away from him. Like this 80 year old guy, you, you know, just d- disarms this kid with it that comes in with a switchblade, you, you know, it's like, but it's now it's really interesting though, because in American movies, it's very rare. You're going to see a standard action star go through the abuse that Nero goes through here. You, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, and the, the audience, the, the expectations in an American movie may be slightly different as well. From yeah. What, um, European or, or other countries are expecting. I mean, I often, um, I don't know how is it different. I, I suppose you know we're we're used to having sad endings as well in Europe, mm. <laughs> um, so we kind of expect it. So you know, a good example of this is the snowman. If you've ever mm-hmm. seen that, the uh, animated snowman at the end, the snowman, the the idea is that the snowman melts, right? And the kid is left with this sort of sense of melancholy. Collie at the end that his child it's kind of like his childhood has finished this is the end this is this is the last moment he he has to look back for back to in his life you know his last kind of one wonderful moment of a mystery and um so there's that kind of sense in in certain countries in in britain and and parts of europe where yeah you do expect things not to be perfect that they do there is a sense of um the tragic in life and and that's just part of life well, we had we did that too here in America, especially after Watergate. There was okay. A, there, there are a number of movies, you know, night moves with Gene Hackman comes to mind. But there are a no, number of movies that came that had that ambiguous ending, like mm-hmm. you, you know, because everything's falling apart. You can't trust your leaders, your politics. You know, the politicians. Ooh, right, are yeah, so maybe that's it. So maybe it's yeah, a, and, yeah. and we see that in yeah. So in American films, you have that too. Um, there are certain eras, you have that. It depends on when it's made. Um, well, in America, too, I don't know about other countries, but America, there was also the, you know, for a long time, there's the film standards thing, like where the bad guys couldn't couldn't win. So like you could do a gangster movie, but they right. had to be arrested or dead at the end, like like crime couldn't pay and that kind of thing. Right, it's kind of like the comics where, you know, in the comic books, like they had all these rules, like you, you couldn't oh, do this, this or this in the yeah. comic books. Well, in American movies, they did the same thing. Like, well, you could have you know, criminals in there, but at the end, the good guys have to win. The, you know, you can't show for like for a long period. And then, then mm-hmm. you know, during the code. Um, I mean, yeah. But, I mean, the idea that um, bad guys win is, I mean, we can't have that going around, can we? Right. <laughs> so, so, sometimes kids, the bad guys win. <laughs> but we'll get them next time. <laughs> right. Well, well, thank you for coming on. I don't know. Oh, it was a very interesting experience. Yeah, I, I don't watch a lot of uh, movies nowadays. I don't watch a lot of TV even. Um, so it did take a bit of, um, it was an unusual experience to sort of turn your <laughs> turn that on and uh, watch it. But once I put it on, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, so I have no regrets. Yeah, I, I like I say, I really enjoy Italian <clears throat> cinema of, of all different types of this era because they, they go they make it their own they'll, they'll take these genres that are popular and and they'll cash in on it but then they make it their own and, and they go with such gusto yeah and, and yeah. bring things that you know, like one of my favorite 
um, genres is a giallo, which are basically suspense thriller um, slasher movies. Not so much slasher, but suspense thriller movies. And and like I say, Nero's in The Fifth Chord, which is a pretty great one. The, the one I mentioned, Barbara Box, is also a pretty great one. The Black Belly of the Tarantula. But, but these are, re- you know, really interesting movies, but they're stylized. You know, some of them have great fashion in there. The, the plots yeah. are intricate. Um, Dario Gento, of course, a famous Italian director, and Mario Bava are really famous for their their Charlie. But they um and they and and those are great places to start. You watch things like um the the bar with the crystal plumage, or it would, that's a, that's a great one to go to. But but anyway, but I, I just love the Italian cinema of this time period and, and watch it and the and what they do with it. So it's it's great to have somebody else to bounce ideas off of instead of just talk about this on my own. So yeah. thank you very yeah, much. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. Yeah, that's been good. Okay. Well, you'll to do it again. Yeah, definitely. So, anything you want to plug before we? Oh no, no, not to the moment. Okay. Okay. I don't think so. Do I? <laughs> no, no, nope, that's fine. So. No. Just wanted to ask. So I, I will. I appreciate it, and I will talk to you again soon. All right. Thank you. Clips of director Enzo G. Castellari are from. Eurocrime, a 2012 documentary by Mike Malloy that I highly recommend. It's a great watch of, to talk about these kind of movies. And also from an introduction he did for the El Rey Network for his movie, Kaoma, which also stars Frank and Nero. So, and then, of course, clips are also from the movie Street Law and the other Intro and outro music is TJ Drennan, as always. by your spouse, but the operator's screaming it's coming from inside the house. What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? Well, the audience is pretty sure he took a pretty head, and the only question left is if I could shoot him dead. Bring on the gold, bring on the gold. Is a dustman and your moil is by the tipper And I'm assuming that your partner back there in the woods Chipper Don't look away Don't look away Don't look away Don't look away Well the zombies are arising and the world has gone to hell We're living for the dying and we're dying for the train wreck